Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for what the Lord's done for you? Amen. How he's changed your life. Glory to God. I tell you what, I I am so grateful for how good God has been to me. Hallelujah. He has shown such mercy in my life and to me. Glory to God. When When I think of where and what he brought me from, Glory to God. I just, I just so grateful. I'm so grateful. You know, as a, as a young man, I had no purpose in life. I just really had nothing going for me. 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, just, just going further, even though I'd been raised in a, in a good Christian home, I'd turned my back on all of that. I was trying my best. I mean, with everything I could do, I was trying my best to erase God and the heritage of God out of my life. And uh, I was making swift progress. And, uh, you know, when I was 20 years old, God got a hold of me and revealed himself to me. And uh, he just set set a situation up where I was suddenly away from home and away from my environment and away from all the people that I was hanging around. I was hanging around people who we were all using drugs and I was selling drugs and, and just getting deeper and deeper into that culture. And uh, the Lord arranged it, you know. I didn't know what he was doing, but he arranged it so that I had to, to go out of town for about three months. And, uh, and so I was in a, in a, uh, in a different environment and uh, when I first went there to, to, uh, to work north of Tampa, uh, a friend of mine from Jacksonville, he and I had both been transferred over there, and we, we sh- shared a, a motel room, and we were dealing drugs out of our motel room. And, uh, you know, when you're out of town, that can be really dangerous. When you don't know anybody, you don't know the community, and you don't know who's, you know, who you can safely sell to and who not, you know. And uh, just a very dangerous situation. We were just selling drugs, you know, and working in the daytime for the phone company and being fools at night. And, uh, and then suddenly he got, he got moved back to Jacksonville, and I was left alone. And there I was sitting in that motel room, you know, and, and uh, I turned on the TV, and there was a, a Billy Graham crusade that was going on that night. And, uh, and I just thought, well, I'll just watch this and I'll just pick it apart. God picked me apart. <laughs> he, he got a hold of me that night. I tell you what, turned my life around. I, I, you know, that night, the next night, I, I watched it and, and just tears just flowing down my, my face. And I resurrendered my heart to the Lord Jesus. And I tell you what, turned my whole life around. Everything about me changed. My wife can tell you, everything about me changed. I mean, what a, what a difference God made in my life. And, uh, and I, I am as certain as I can be that if God hadn't rescued me when he did, 
I, I, don't, I know God can do anything later, but I could have easily crossed a point where it, it's, it's likely I'd have never got back to God. Or if I did, I could have wasted many, many years and never got on track with what God had for my life. You know, you can, you can, you can miss God's plan for your life if you fool around. Young people, if you fool around, you can miss God's plan for your life. And, uh, and you know, at 20 years old, God brought me back. You know, it was another uh, seven, eight, nine years, I guess, before I could actually go away for ministry training, you know, in Bible school. But during that time, I was faithful in the local church, just doing what I knew to do. My family, you know, had been pillars in the church. And, uh, and so it kind of came natural to me. If you're going to go to church, you get involved. That's all there is to it. You just don't sit on the pew, you know, and just, and just come. You, you, you start doing stuff. You start helping. And I served in, in virtually, well, not every department of the church, but every department I, I could in. You know, I, I served ushering. I, I sang in the choir. I, uh, uh, you know, served on the witnessing team at the church. I, I uh, taught Sunday school. Uh, just you know, taught classes, adult classes, children's classes, just any, as the Lord just kept you know, preparing me. I just, anything that needed to be done. I served on the, you know, the church council and assisting the pastor, you know, and, and uh, uh, God was just faithful to me. And uh, he's delivered me so many times. So many times God has supernaturally delivered me from destruction. And every time I read that passage over in Psalm 103 where it says he delivers my life from destruction, I think about all the times that he delivered me, delivered my wife, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, I'm grateful, I'm grateful. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Thank God. You ought to think about your life and how good God's been to you. Amen, glory to God. Pastor Angela mentioned on Wednesday night, you know, in the churches we grew up in, on Wednesday night, traditional, traditionally that was called prayer meeting, but I don't know why we called it prayer meeting because we didn't do a lot of praying, but that's just what it was called. And uh, it really was a testimony meeting most of the time. And so the way the, the service would, uh, would flow, we'd have praise and worship, you know, and then uh, the pastor would usually call on one of the lay people in the church to lead the testimony service. And nobody knew ahead of time, you know, he would just, as he was led of the Lord, he'd just say, you know, Brother Smith, come up and, and lead the testimony service. So Brother Smith, or, you know, he would come, or Sister Smith, whoever he'd called, would come to the podium, and, and they would just testify of what God means to, meant to them and what God had done in their life. You know, that's different than giving a praise report. You know, you're thankful that, you, you know, you, you were looking for a promotion and God supernaturally moved and you got a great, that's a praise report. That's wonderful. There's, there's a place for that. That's not the same thing as testifying about how good God's been to you in your life. Giving your story. And that old hymn, this is my story. We all have a story. We all have a testimony. And so, you know, Brother Smith or Sister So-and-so, whoever was doing it that night, they would testify. And then they'd start, you know, who wants to testify? And people would start jumping up, you know, and, and, and start testifying about how God had been good to them and what he'd done in their life. And it just blessed everybody. Now, you know, uh, over the years, sometimes that would uh, 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 digress into glorifying the devil because some people would get up and they start talking about how much trouble they were having and how much sorrow they were having and how the devil had been after them. 
And you know, and half of our songs we sang were about how tough it was. We'll soon be done with troubles and trials, you know. You know, you've heard that old song, I'll Fly Away. You know that wonderful song, I'll Fly We I told Ike Cool years ago, I said, we need to sing that song again. But the problem with a lot of these songs is most of the song was good, but then they had little, little parts of it that were just full of unbelief. And the song says, just a few more weary days, and then we'll all fly away. And I thought, well, you know, we're not having weary days. We're having victorious days. And so Ike, he changed that. Just a few more happy days or victorious days, and then we'll fly away. But, uh, you know, those, our songs tended to be... Uh, uh, you know, there was an awareness of how much trouble it was and how much persecution. And, and Pentecostals back in the, in the day, in the uh, teens and the 20s and 30s, I mean, there was a lot of persecution. In our particular denomination, in uh, the Church of God, sprung up, up in North Georgia and up in the areas of, uh, of Western Tennessee uh, back in the late 1800s and into the early 1900s, some of the leaders and founders of our movement were literally, literally tarred and feathered and run out of town because of their, of their Pentecostal testimony. They had their houses burned down and, uh, and things like that. And so, you know, you could understand there was a culture of, oh, you know, the test and the trials. But, uh, but you know, faith doesn't, doesn't spend its time reflecting on what the devil's doing. Faith spends its time reflecting on what God's done. Oh, glory to God and how God's delivered you and how if he's done it before, he'll do it again. Amen. So we all should be, should be uh, mindful of what God's done for us. One of these nights, I'm gonna have a testimony service and I'm just gonna start calling on people and say, stand up and, and give your story. Tell us what God's done for your life, you know? Because, you know, when we had those services, people would start testifying, but if it got slow, then, then whoever was in the pulpit would just start pointing people out and say, hey, brother, you know, stand up and testify. You had to be ready, amen. But you know, we are all ready. You have a testimony, Amen. But the problem is, if you don't think about your testimony very often, you won't, it won't come to your mind. That's right. Be thankful. Amen. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. That kind of sort of takes me into my message. Didn't intend it, but it'll work. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Just seemed good to me tonight. You know, talking about healing the last several weeks. And this morning, I, I, I talked about how you've got to fill yourself with the word of God on the subject of healing, of not just, not, just medi- not just finding healing scriptures and going over them. Now, you can do it any way you want to. But I put together, for me, this is just how I did I put together scripture sheets on different topics. If I want to feed along a particular line, I have scripture sheets where, scripture sheets where I compile verses of scripture and there's, a, and there's a flow to it. There's a thread that's woven through it that ministers to me. And, I, and one scripture, you know, uh, brings up uh, uh, and, and, and brings an awareness of some aspect of God's provision. And then another scripture that just dovetails with that. So I'll put that next scripture. And I, and I just have these, you know, on my computer. I can add to them anytime I want to. They're always growing, you know. And, uh, and then I can print them out and I've got them in a folder. I can just reach in a folder and pull out a paper copy, you know, and just, and just feed on that particular uh, blessing of God that's uh, stirring in me. Uh, uh, 
But this morning I was talking about on the important about the importance of doing that, feeding on the word of God when it comes to healing. Find the verses of scripture that minister to you, and there are so many. And and feed on them until you are so persuaded of the truth of God's word that anything other than that just doesn't even make sense to you. It doesn't have anything else the enemy says just does not have validity. It has zero validity because you're so full of God's word. And, uh, and so that's important. But then there's another aspect of that and that is continually praising God. Praising God is such an important part of our victory. You really can't overemphasize the importance of being a person of thanksgiving and praise. That's why the Old Testament says that, that the thanksgiving and the praise of God should continually be on our lips. Amen. Here in Philippians chapter 4, in verse number 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. Well, how are you going to not be anxious? You know, there are a lot of things in life that can make you anxious. So there are a lot of things in life that can cause you to be anxious. If you're not careful, and you, and, and you have to do something. You, have to, you can't just say, well, I'm not going to be anxious. There, there, you have to do something to prevent anxiety, to withstand anxiety. He tells us exactly what to do. He says, do not be anxious for anything. The, the original Greek is more, is more powerful than that. The original Greek, if you read this literally, it says, do not be anxious, not even for one thing. Not even for one thing. Well, it's okay if I'm a little anxious for this. No, not even for one thing. Not even for one thing. But in everything. Well, that would probably mean in, in anxiety. Things that would, situations, events, circumstances that would cause you to be anxious. He tells you what to do. Don't be anxious, but instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, it, it, we talk about prayer, and prayer is important. But notice, it's prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. On Wednesday nights, I uh, didn't this Wednesday night, but I'll get back to it. I've talked about the importance of supplication, earnest, earnest, heartfelt prayer. Not just praying, just a, sometimes prayer is just kind of, it's not flippant, but it's not much more serious than that. It's just uh, real shallow. And, and if you're going to press into the things of God, sometimes you have to press in in prayer. And there has to be a, 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 a heartfelt nature to it. Have you ever noticed, I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me, sometimes I'll be praying in the spirit and, and I sense the, the, the spirit of God dealing with me. And so I, I begin to pray in the spirit more and more and I begin to grow more and more fervent. And, and I can sense the anointing of God. And, and I can pray that way for a while and sometimes you get, you get tired or, you're, or you get thirsty, your voice starts getting strained. <clears throat> and I've noticed sometimes I'll get up, you know, and go get me a glass of water and come back to that place of prayer and I, and I notice I've lost that sense of supplication. I've lost that urgency. 
And, and so I found that if I press in back in again and begin to, and to, begin to pray and, and, and begin to, to focus on my inward man and, and, and pray with what fervency I can, that I sense the anointing begin to come back. God's not through. He's not through. And, and, and we can pick that back up. So prayer and supplication. Supplication is just a deeper level of praying. It's a more heartfelt level of praying. But even then, it's prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Go over to uh, 1 Thessalonians. It's just a, a few more pages to the, to the right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. I like the way this is written. Verse 16, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's the will of God that you rejoice always. Now, life doesn't always give reason for rejoicing. I said life doesn't. Life is not always the events and things that go on in life are not always things that would inspire rejoicing. But he said, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks for everything. I, I, I think these are three different ways of saying the same thing. I think what he's saying is rejoice always without ceasing and in everything. Pray always without ceasing and in everything. And give thanks always without ceasing and in everything. Notice that prayer is sandwiched between rejoicing and giving thanks. Now, rejoicing and giving thanks, you could, you could split hairs and, and identify the difference between the two, and I guess there'd be a place for that. Uh, but generally, it's talking about the same thing. Rejoicing, giving thanks, praising God, those are all in the same genre of, 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 of uh, spiritual uh, uh, activity. Giving thanks. And, and prayer has to be, if you look at this another way, you could see that, that the, the, the uh, uh, process of praying or the, or the schedule or the approach to it would be praise first, then prayer, and then praise. That's what I said in the Old Testament, come into his courts with thanksgiving. Into his, come into his presence with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Praise, I tell you, Having an attitude of praise and an attitude of thanksgiving will do so much to preparing your heart when you do pray that you can pray accurately and pray out the will of God. Notice he says, in every give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Some people struggle all their life trying to figure out what is the will of God. If I just knew the will of God for my life. Well, start right here. This is the will of God for you. The will of God is to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. And I tell you what, if, if you, if you uh, purpose in your heart to obey that, you, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be going in the right direction. 
You'll be going in the right direction. The Lord will then be able to direct your steps in those areas that you don't yet understand and you don't know yet and the future that you cannot see. If you, if you have this, this uh, direction in your life where you, you're, you're a person of rejoicing, you're always rejoicing. You're always praising God. In the, in, and you pray about things when they come up. We do need to pray. But I tell you what, prayer and praise go together. Amen. Go over with me to the 16th chapter of Acts. These aren't scriptures you don't know. They're scriptures I know. But when I was studying this, I got blessed. Praise the Lord. In the 16th chapter of Acts, it says in verse 16, now, now Paul and his company were in Philippi. They were on missionary uh, uh, trip, you know, spreading the gospel, going from city to city. And they had come to Philippi. And it says, now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Now, here, here is, a, is a girl, a slave girl, who has, a, has an evil spirit. She's possessed with a spirit of, of divination, fortune telling. And like I said uh, last week, I think, when the Bible talks about people being possessed, there's not, a, there's not a, a really a Greek word there for possessed. In the Greek, it just, it just means demonized. It just says demonized. This, this, this was a young girl, a slave girl, who was demonized with a spirit of divination. And uh, she was being used by her, by her masters to make money from fortune telling. And it says this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, this is... This is how evil spirits a lot of times present themselves. They present themselves in, in they want to confront and, or disrupt. You say, well, what she's saying was true. She was going around behind them saying, these men, are the, she was following and crying out loud. These men are the servants of the most high God. Well, what she was saying was true, but you, know, you don't want somebody who's demonized doing your advertising if you're an evangelist. If you're holding a crusade, you don't get demonized people out there to do your PR work. It's just not a good witness. <laughs> so this, this demonized, and everybody knew she was full of the devil. She was, she was possessed with a spirit of divination. People knew that. And all of a sudden, she's going around and following Paul and Silas and Timothy and the rest of his company, you know, the people that were going with him. She's following them around, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who, who show us the way of salvation. Now, are there demons today? Yeah. Tell you what, we live in a, we live in a culture where people are more and more demonized than ever before. Amen. And, uh, and, and they present themselves like this. This is one way to bring confusion and to disturb, disturb a service and uh, to just bring confusion. And notice it says that this happened, this went on 
for many days. She did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus or the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that hour. Now it doesn't say he came out that minute. It doesn't say he came out immediately. He said he came out that hour. Now, that would indicate to me that he probably didn't come out that minute or that second, that there was a period of time before this evil spirit came out. And, but it came out within the hour. Now, uh, I know Brother Hagen, one time the Lord Jesus appeared to him in a vision. And he, was, he said, I've come to teach you about demons and demon operation and uh, so forth. And one of the things he talked to Brother Hagen about was this, this particular incident. He said, he asked Brother Hagen, he said, did you ever notice over there in Acts chapter 16 when that woman, that young woman had that spirit of divination and how that she followed after Paul and his company for many days. Now it doesn't say how many days, but many days are not a few days. If it had been a few days, it had said a few days. So many days are more than a few, okay? And uh, so it happened day after day after day is my point. And the Lord, Jesus asked Brother Hagin, he said, have you ever wondered why Paul didn't cast that spirit out on the first day? You know he was annoyed on the first day. Surely, surely he was. Like I said, you know, it's, it's, you don't want the devil advertising for you. Surely he was annoyed the first day. And Brother Hagin said, yes, Jesus. He said, I have wondered about that. Well, the Lord already knew he had. He said, I have wondered why Paul didn't cast that spirit out on the first day. And Jesus said he didn't cast the spirit out on the first day because he didn't have a manifestation of the Holy Spirit to cast him out. He was waiting on the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He was waiting on the, the prompting of the Spirit of God to deal with this evil spirit. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. If, if someone comes to you and they want to be free, you, you, can, you can set them free right then. You can. You can. Everybody in this room, if you're born again, you have authority over demon spirits. You can set them free. But their will has to come into play. Their will comes into play. Their will has something to do with it. And uh, you just have to be led of the Holy Spirit in every situation. Now, not everything that is confusing is a devil. Not every physical ailment is a devil or a demon spirit. But whenever they, when they do manifest, they, they manifest in, in a way that you know right away this is an evil spirit. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, you know on the inside of you. This is a demon spirit. And, uh, but then you have to discern, does, that, does, this, does this person want help? Well, this young woman was possessed by this demon spirit. She was full of the devil. But the point or, or the fact that she followed after them day after day after day 
tells me, I can't prove it, but it tells me, it indicates to me that there was something deep down on the inside of her drawing her to Paul in those men. Even though that spirit has, had control of her and was driving her, there was something in her also that was reaching out. You know, because she could, she could have gone on and, and, and uh, you know, not followed after them. But there was something in her that, that was reaching out. And when the right time came, the Holy Spirit came upon Paul. Now, you don't see that, but that's what Jesus told Brother Hagin. He said he was waiting for the manifestation of the Spirit. And so, you know, that's just a little background on where I was going with this story. So he came out, and her master saw that their hope of profit was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought him to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes. That is Paul and Silas and his company. Tore off, tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge... It must have been an unusually strong charge. It must have been an, unusually, an unusual command that was given to him. So having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened, fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, prisons that in, in the Roman Empire in those days, in Philippi and all throughout the Roman Empire, these prisons were not like prisons today. They, they didn't have beds. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have three meals a day. You didn't get out to exercise. You didn't have windows. Most of these prisons were, were caves that were carved into a mountain or into the ground. They were, they were just rock-hewn caves, rock walls. The floors were rocky. Floors were not smooth. They were not comfortable. A lot of times, as you can imagine, the walls on the inside of the cave dripping water. The floor is usually puddled in water. They, they had prisoners in there. They had no hygiene. They had, they had no way to take care of themselves. It was an awful human mess to live in. And... Fortunately, Paul and Silas were only there that night. But people before them, no doubt, had stayed in there for days and days and days in the pitch dark. No doubt rats infested. And, you know, to make it worse, they put their feet in stocks. Now, remember, they had been stripped to the waist and their backs had been beaten with rods. They had just beaten them and, and with rods, these big whelps, these big stripes on their back. And that's, you know, that's terrible. What a terrible situation. How painful and how awful. And then to have your feet in stocks where you can't even move. You can't even move to reposition yourself to get any relief. That's a terrible place to be in. And, you know, I, I, I've, I've thought about this and I thought, now, 
what would I do? How would I conduct myself? How would, would there be a good story written about me? <laughs> could, could my story find its way into a, an evangelistic uh, magazine somewhere? My testimony show up? Or would it be embarrassing? Come on now, think about yourself. What would you do? It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. That means they started praying before midnight. When midnight came, they were praying. When they started, probably as soon as they got in there. It says that when, when midnight came, Paul and Silas were praying, but they weren't just praying, they were also singing hymns to God. Now, the new King James says hymns, the older King James says praises. They were praying and singing praises to God. And they weren't ashamed. They weren't, they weren't singing under their breath. They were, they were singing, they were praying and singing out loud so that the prisoners in the other cells, in the, they were in the inner prison. Some of the other prisoners were probably in an inner prison too, but might have been with them in that same prison they were in, that same cell they were in, that same cave. But then in other adjoining caves or in other places, and they heard them. And it doesn't just say they heard them, it says they were listening to them. There's a difference. Well, what else are you going to listen to? <laughs> but they were, they were intentionally listening. The prayers and the praise of Paul and Silas got the attention and the interest of the other people in the prison. It not, you see, praising God gets your mind off of your troubles. Praising God puts your, gets your attention over on the Lord and his goodness and his blessing. And when midnight came, they were praying and singing praises to God. And the prisoners, when midnight came, the prisoners were listening. The prisoners didn't just hear them. The prisoners were, there's a difference. The prisoners were listening to them. You see, their praise and prayer got the attention of the other people and helped elevate them. Your prayer affects other people. Your praise affects other people. Your prayer will make a difference for people around you, people you work with. Don't just complain. I tell you what, I know how hard it is at, at work to just have so many aggravating people. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, you can, you can have situations at work that just torment the life out of you. People. Well, what are they going to, stop it. What are they going to hear you do? Are they going to hear you complaining, griping? Now, you know, if anybody had reason to complain and gripe, Paul and Silas did. What are you doing, Paul? What else would I be doing, Silas? I'm sitting here with my feet in stocks, bleeding. What are you doing? 
Well, we really got into it today. If we had just left that little girl alone, but no, you had to go class the devil out of her. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Paul. They could have been complaining, and if they had been complaining, we wouldn't have this story. A miracle happened because they weren't complaining. They were praying about their situation and giving thanks to God, praising God and singing praises to God. And people who were in a like mess as they were heard them and were listening to them and it helped them. When people around you know that you're a person of prayer, now you, that doesn't mean you spend your day praying on the job instead of working, but when situations come up on the job, when they know that you're a person that anything happens, you're gonna pray about it. And it could be just a real quick prayer. Oh, Lord, help so-and-so. Oh, help, Lord, help me out with this problem or help me solve this uh, question or help me work this situation out. That, that, that creates an awareness. And I don't know that Paul and Silas knew the prisoners were listening to them. Doesn't say they knew it. There's a good chance they didn't know it, but they were listening. And, and as they continued to pray and sing praises to God, the prisoners kept listening. We go back. If you're, if you're a person that people around you are accustomed to, to hearing you say a quick word of prayer, they know you're a person of prayer and they know you're a person of praise, you might not, you might not know they're listening, but they're listening to you. Amen. They're listening Amen. Amen. It says the pr prisoners were listening to them. Amen. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. I love that. What brought that on? I'm... I'm I think with fair certainty, I can say that if they had been griping and complaining, that this would not have happened. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% certain that it would not have happened. Can't prove it, but uh, I think you would agree with me that had they not been praying and singing praises to God, what happened to set them free would not have happened. What are you doing in your situation? You may have reason to complain. You may have reasons to, to, to gripe and complain. You, you may be going through a, a terrible uh, ordeal physically in your body. But are you going to talk about the problem or are you going to talk about the solution? See, every time you, and, and this isn't a law, this isn't, this isn't, there's not anybody here in our church following you around you know, waiting to jump on you if you don't say the right thing or you don't, you know, behave right. It's not that. And, and so it's not condemnation. But the real truth of the matter is, in your particular situation, the more you talk about the problem, the more you glorify the troublemaker. The more you glorify the problem, the more you talk about it, the more you glorify the one that caused the problem or the trouble in your life, which is ultimately the devil. 
Amen. Amen. I'm not saying that you're never allowed. I'm not saying that. This is not, this is not some kind of a hard law that, you know, we're not, we're not the confession cops here at the church just walking around just waiting to hear somebody say something negative. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's, there's, a, there's a time at which you have to decide, okay, I've acknowledged this problem long enough. And it's not gonna change because I acknowledge the problem. It's gonna change because I start acknowledging the solution. Amen? And so they, as they begin, as they continued to praise and, and, and pray and to sing praises, then a miracle ha- happened. The prison doors were opened miraculously. This earthquake, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't an ordinary earthquake. This wasn't an ordinary, ordinary earthquakes cause rocks to fall, ceilings to collapse, walls to cave in. Ordinary earthquakes, if you're underground, it's not a good place to be. Ordinary earthquakes split the earth open and, and death and destruction follows. This earthquake brought nothing but deliverance. This earthquake brought nothing but No one was hurt. In fact, ever, all the doors sprang open. Well, you know, I, I can understand that. Earth starts twisting around and shifting, you know, the doors, you know, they can get off out of alignment and pop open. But everybody's chains on their feet come loose. That's not, that's not a, a normal earthquake reaction. I mean, if, if an earthquake is great enough to, to break the chains off your feet, break your feet off your feet, off your legs, <laughs> right? I mean, it just twists and, and destroys your body. This was a supernatural God shook that place and he could have he could have knocked he could have opened the doors you know the angels came to Peter one time and opened the doors and and led them out there wasn't any earthquake he just opened the doors he could have done that he could have opened the doors and loosed their chains but he, he God's a little showy <laughs> he can be a little showy he shook that place in, in, in a supernatural fashion and caused the doors to fly open and the, and the, the, the stocks that the feet were bound with, all the chains came off. And not just theirs, everybody's. All the prisoners were loosed. Now you know, there were some people in prison that shouldn't have been there because we know two of them. Paul and Silas didn't deserve to be there. And I know today in our prisons, there are a few people that shouldn't be there. But let me just tell you, most of them deserve to be there. Well, I didn't get many amens, I'm telling you. I've been to the prisons and most of the people there deserve to be there. I, I would imagine it was the same in this day. I imagine there were people there who deserved to be in prison. And and what I'm saying is they were not good people. There were some criminals, probably some hardened criminals in this prison. There were some people who, there were probably thieves, uh, extortionists, murderers, people that, that beat people up, all kinds of violent crime. People in that prison like that. They were, when I was in the 1970s, I used to go to Florida State Prison and go from cell to cell. I went with, a, with an evangelistic team 
based out of Jacksonville and we would go to the Florida State Prison and we would go in at 9 o'clock in the morning. We'd come out at 11. Between 11 and 1, they had lunch and then they had to do a security sweep in the prison and lock everybody down again at, at 1 o'clock. And so at 1 o'clock, we would come back and, and we'd go from 1 to 3. And you've seen the, the TV shows or the movies of the cell block. You know, you got... You got uh, I think it was 16 cells down on one side, 16 cells down this other side, and there was probably 25 feet in, in between. And then there, there were three decks. You could go to the end, you could go up the stairs, you go to the next. And so if you're on the ground floor, you could see up, you could see 16 cells, 16 cells, the third level, a railing, you know, out in front of those cells. And they would lock us in a, in a, in a cell uh, block like T block or S block or whatever it was they'd lock us in there for two hours and we would just go from cell to cell and uh, walk up and, and sometimes the, the cells uh, you know had uh, I don't know if I ever saw the cells with the bars all I remember was cells that had solid doors and a, and a window a little bit bigger than this Bible and, and the window had bars in it you could reach your fingers through the bar if you, had, if you were that stupid uh, they told us do not get close to that window those guys will, will reach out there and grab you by the throat before anybody can get in here so they said keep your distance and, uh, and so you know the people would be in those cells and I'm telling you what there were some, there were some wicked people in there you, you'd walk up and you'd, and you'd just you know you'd, you'd strike up a conversation go to a cell block and, you know and see if you could engage the person in conversation, try to witness to them. And most of them were con artists, you know, they, anyway, uh, you would try. But I, I remember thinking, some of the people I saw in there, I remember thinking, I am so glad you're in here and not in my neighborhood. I mean, I saw guys in there who had had, had their throats cut from their ear to ear, big old scars where somebody had cut their throat. Just, you could just, see the evidence of demons just in that place. And uh, that's, that's the sort of people that Paul and Silas were keeping company with that night. Having a sleepover with that kind of people. And when the, when the, when, when the prison bands were loosed, when the doors were open, you know, those guys, that was their opportunity to bug out of there. Not a one of them left. That tells me they didn't just hear Paul and Silas. They were listening. Amen. And so they all stayed. Glory to God. Turn back over there. <clears throat> the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep, it's 20, verse 27, seeing the prison doors opening, opened, supposing the prisoners had fled. Well, he had every reason to think that would be the case. The doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he knew if he didn't, he was going to be killed. Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do? To be saved. And we don't have to read the rest of it. It's beyond my scope of my point tonight. But the point is, God brought a tremendous deliverance, not, on, not only to Paul and Silas, 
But to the prisoners that were there, we don't know any of them that any of them got saved, but we know the prison, the keeper of the prison, the warden, the head warden got saved that night. Praising God in the midst of your situation, whenever you've prayed, always give thanks. Always be a person of praise because it makes a difference to the people around you. Not just to you, but the people around you. Glory to God. I tell you, you cannot underestimate praise. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Let me skip a few things here. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Philippians, or First, First Thessalonians says, this is the will of God. Thanksgiving and prayer is the will of God. Why is thanksgiving the will of God? Well, because in, in the eighth Psalm, he tells us why. Psalm 8. Glory to God. Are you getting anything out of this? I am. It's blessing me. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of 90% of what I've said tonight. I hadn't even thought about it. <laughs> Preaching to myself. I'm enjoying this. Can't even thought about this stuff. Glory to God. Verse 2 says, Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Now, you know this if you know your Bible. In Matthew 21 16, Jesus quoted this exact verse of Scripture, only he quoted it this way. He read it this way. He said, Out of the mouth of babes, and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. You have perfected praise. God has ordained strength and he has perfected strength. He has ordained praise and he has perfected praise. God, God ordained praise for a reason. This is not something we just do because it psychologically helps us. It's not about just having a positive attitude and, and, and saying positive things and, and, and creating good karma. That's not what it is. God ordained praise. And praise causes you to be strong. See? Matthew, Jesus said praise. Here it says strength. But, it then, but then it says God ordained it in one place. Another place he says he perfected it. God or it's, it's ordained of God whenever you're praying about something to, all, to also praise God about it. That should go along with every prayer. Whatever you've prayed about, make sure you're praising God for the answer. Because if you're not praising God for the answer, you're not in faith. Now, not all prayers are the prayer of faith. I've talked about that a lot. The prayer of faith is a prayer you pray for yourself about something that is your covenant right. You have a right to. You have a right to healing. We've talked about that. That's your covenant right. You have a right to it. You pray, you believe God for it, and you thank him for it. There are other kinds of prayer. The prayer of supplication. A lot of times the prayer of supplication, you can pray it for yourself, but a lot of times you pray it for others. And it's not on exactly the same terms as the prayer of faith because you don't just, you don't just when, the, when you're praying the prayer of faith for yourself, you just pray one time. Now, you might pray more than one, but the last time is the only one that counts. None of the others count. 
If you pray over something and just keep for yourself, just keep praying it, praying it, praying it. Every time you pray a new prayer, you dis, disregard the first in the previous prayers. They all just become worthless. So at some point you have to say, okay, I'm, I'm finished presenting this need. Now I believe I have it. And if you have it, you don't go back and ask for it again. And, and you understand? So the last prayer you pray, when you finally get in faith, that's, that's the one that makes the difference. None of the others count. So why waste your time? Just start off with the right prayer. Just start off believing God first time you pray. Amen. But when you're praying about other people, you, you, it's, it's not just your covenant right. They have something to do with it. Their will, their obedience, their disobedience, their circumstances, whatever, you know, how the devil might be working in their life. There are a lot of issues that you don't know about. So sometimes you have to keep praying that prayer of supplication. But even when you're praying it, it's not the prayer of faith, but you still have to do it in faith. Does that make sense? It's not the prayer of faith, but you still have to do it in faith. That is that you believe the prayer of supplication is doing the job. You believe God is working. You, you don't just claim, I just, I just claim brother and sister so-and-so no longer have marital problems. Well, you know, there are other issues maybe than what you know about. Okay, so you just can't claim that brother and sister so-and-so will never have marital problems. All of their marital problems are solved. You, that, that's the prayer of faith. You can pray that for yourself. You're going to have to follow it up with some actions. But what I'm saying is uh, you can't just claim that for somebody else because they've got something to do about it. But you can pray for them. And when you pray for them, the prayer of supplication, you can still do it in faith and know that your prayers are working. They're having an effect. Amen. So even with supplication, you're always giving thanks. You don't see the answer, but you know God's working. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. God has ordained this. This is how God set it up. It's not just a good idea, it's a God idea. Then he goes on to say, he says, out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. God ordained praise for you and for the devil to strengthen you and to shut the devil up. Amen. Now, let me, let me give you a fine uh, distinction here that people don't see, see a lot of times. If you give, you can give thanks out of, out of, almost out of fear. A lot of people, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, and they're not in faith at all. If you're thanking God and you're not in faith, well, don't stop thanking him, but that's not the answer. So you've got to get, you've got to get the word in you on that situation to where you become so convinced that thanksgiving flows out of you because you know it's done. Follow me? I, I, I know that I have this situation. Sometimes something will come up and I'll just say, well, I just, I just claim, you know, my answer, whatever this, I just claim help and that. I take a scripture, I just claim it. And on the inside, my, my inward man is just kind of scratching me. Something's just not right. Well, I know the Bible's true. I know it up here. I know I know enough about the Bible to know what belongs to me in that situation. 
But what that, what that is, is my inward man hasn't fed on that enough to have confidence. So there's no confidence when I say, God, I just believe I received that. Something on the inside is saying, no. My spirit's not saying it's not true. My spirit's saying you're not ready to pray that yet. You're not ready. You don't have the confidence because you haven't spent the time getting, and it's not a time uh, 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 proposition. It's just you haven't, you haven't been in the word enough to get the confidence in you that you can claim that in faith. Does that make sense? Well, when you get that, then you start thanking God for it. And when you, when you do that, that will silence the enemy. Now, if you start, if you're not in faith, and you just claim something and you're in fear and you think the world's falling apart. You know, oh God, I just believe I received my help and my deliverance and on the inside you're still all tore up about it and you start thanking God, the enemy won't be quiet. He'll get louder. Thank the Lord, thank the Lord. He'll start saying, no, it's not, no, it's not. No, he'll get louder. He won't, he won't get quieter, he'll get louder. Anybody ever experienced that? A preacher said that if I praise God, it'd put the enemy on the run. He's got me on the run. I'm praising him more and I'm running faster. What's, why is it not working? You're not in faith. The only way, faith only comes one way by hearing the word. It's the only way it comes. It doesn't come any other way. Now, the gift of faith is different. That's the only, the exception of that. All other faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Get in it, like I said this morning, to the point that it's so overwhelming in you. It's so full. It's so uh, all-consuming that you know that you know that you know. When, you, and when you're like that, you start praising God, I'm telling you, the enemy cannot resist that. He cannot. It'll put him on the, it'll put him on the run. It'll bring so much peace into your life. Glory to God. He says it'll silence the enemy and the avenger. Oh, glory to God. Why, why does that happen? Well, let's close when you thought I was closing with that one. Let's close with Psalm 22. Psalm 22. I had to be selective here tonight. I could have, I could have preached all night. I could have danced all night. I could have preached all night. <laughs> Glory to God. I know it's, one, one of these days I'm going to do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. But you, this is Psalm 22, verse three, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Hallelujah. The older King James says, you inhabit the praises of Israel. The reason praise puts the enemy on the run is Praise, let me say it this way, praise that proceeds from faith. Not, not praise that, that is fearful praise. Not hopeful praise, but praise that comes from faith. God inhabits that. God's presence gets in that. God, God hears your prayer, but he inhabits your praises. There's the difference. If we ask anything according to his will, First John 5 says, we, he hears us. And if we know we hear it, he hears us, we know we have. So God always hears. He hears your prayers, but he inhabits your praise. God's presence gets in that. And whenever you're full of faith, 
and you fed your now. That doesn't mean you're not having uh, doubtful thoughts. I, that's that has nothing to do with faith. Just because you're having thoughts come against your mind, just because the devil is just chattering at you, he'll do that. But there, you know, when you when you know that you know, it's just like the chattering of a little uh, nobody. I mean, it just, it, just, it just doesn't even make any difference to you. It doesn't threaten you. It doesn't cause you any consternation. It doesn't cause you any trouble. It doesn't bother you. It's just like, yeah, 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 you little nothing, you little nobody. You know, the Bible says these evil spirits are coming to nothing. So you just say, okay, nothing. I understand nothing, nobody. So when you're in faith, it doesn't trouble you. But, but he'll still talk. But when you start praising him, when you're in faith, you try it. Get yourself in faith and then start praising God. You'll notice that he shuts up, he packs up his bags and he gets out. Why? Because God inhabits that. He gets, I mean, God shows up. It says here, he enthrones himself in our praises. That means, that means God's glory. God's glory. This, is, this scripture, if I'm not mistaken, is where we get the word Shekinah glory is in this word enthroned. I'm not sure, but I believe it is. Look that, look that up. Is that right, Angela? Yeah. God's glory comes on the scene. When you're in faith and you start praising God, I tell you what, God fills that with his glory. He fills it with his glory. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I tell you, God is so much smarter than we are. He has it all figured out. He ordained this. God set this up before there was an earth. Before there were any people. He set this, this plan right here, this provision up, that when the enemy comes, believe his word and then they'll start praising him. And he planned all along, just do that. This, that's, do it, trust me. And he comes right in the middle of it. Glory to God. He just enthrones himself. His glory fills him. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.